Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Dixesh Patel. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me today, Amy. Uh, it's a privilege to have a total performance coach who is focused on mind, business and body, and also a full-time property developer and investor. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey. Um, having gone into full-time property development and investment three and a half years ago, uh, and in the background, I myself have been a business mentor and a mindset coach over the last 10 years as well. And more lately, uh, adding the third piece to that jigsaw around uh, mental health, well-being and body transformation. So why did it take you so long to add in that third piece? That's a great question. Um, I have to go back to some history uh, in the past, just with my family dynamics. My father actually passed away when he was 51. He, you know, diabetes, blood pressure, heart disease, all the usual uh, issues around you know, sedentary lifestyle, bad diet, all sorts of things. Um, approximately uh, two to two and a half years ago, um, you know, I was a bit of a whopper back then, uh, you know, uh, upwards of around 120 kilos, believe it or not. Um, I actually went away on holiday to Thailand and uh, when I came back you know it I realized that there was so much uh, that I was not doing right you know drinking too much beer having burgers and a lot of my pain started kicking in my body gout inflammation and I remember looking in the mirror and this actually did happen uh, back then um, it, I was in so much agony, I had a few tears rolling down, and I thought, I just cannot do this. And that's the light bulb moment for me, where I just decided, in in brutal terms, I just decided I didn't want to die like my father before me. And I was 48 uh, and a half back then, and, and I decided my time is not to go now. And that really changed, changed the way uh, I, I thought about it. Uh, and I myself hired a body transformation coach as well, to help me navigate through uh, the different channels to get to a much better place in terms of not only just mental health, but but physical uh, health and reversing out the last 50 years of bad habits to allow me to put the platform in place for the, for the next 50 years that are coming. And how easy was it for you to reverse those habits? So when you're uh, looking at yourself uh, in the mirror and you see... Uh, this 120 kilo person, there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, nobody's gonna do uh, the the walking. Nobody's gonna do the running. Nobody's gonna lift those weights for you. Nobody's gonna cook the nutritious food that you need to be able to get back on track. Um, and you really have to put blinkers on, uh, and and you just have to take it one day at a time. In the early part. It wasn't easy, I'll be honest with you. I actually did uh, hire my 
body transformation coach six months prior to that and overwhelm had set in in the first couple of weeks and i it's not that i gave up i just said i need to pause this i don't think i'm ready and it's only when i came back in the summer in late july from a holiday that i just thought well, right i've got somebody behind me now there's a system there's a plan focus on one day at a time and that's all i did i just went one day at a time because the greater good and and the actual results come come over a long time a long a, a long a long term and a long framework um, and yeah and, and it's been uh, i haven't ever looked back uh, at its leanest i sort of just shredded under 50 kilos uh and uh, last year my claim to fame was appearing in men's health uh, magazine as well which was very exciting and that is an image that you sort of hold really dearly to yourself now i know you're very proud of that moment because it it was it was a huge transformation and i remember speaking to you just before christmas last year and you were so passionate about what it is you you were doing and your journey and it was it was a bit of an obsession yes i would say so i think uh, when you're um, looking down the tunnel and you can't see the the light at the end of the tunnel it's like with anything in life you become more successful at it the more you do you know there's the the concept of 10,000 hours to become an expert and that's all I did just you have to almost become obsessive behind it in order to see the results and it's no different in anything around you know even business or your mindset got to continually improve each day at a time so you separate the three elements, the mind, the business, and the body. Mm-hmm. But how entwined are they? If you would have asked me that uh, two years ago, I probably would have said that the mindset uh, element and the business elements are very entwined. However, since I've been through my own physical transformation, 100% yeah, the, the mental health, the physical health of the ecosystem, that's you as an individual, plays a massive part. And I'll give you a for example. When I'm in the gym, you know, doing my weight training, you literally have to put blinkers on. So what what's the manifestation of that? It gives you a time to be in a hugely hypnotic state, focus in terms of something singular. So I'm going to lift those weights. And what that does is it provides you with the mental strength to actually take that into your mindset and the business world. And even over the last sort of year or so, um, you know, we've heard in the business world, shiny penny syndrome. I now am firm and clear with mental clarity as to what my business strategy is. I'm very firm and clear in my mindset as to what my core values are. Uh, And off I go and my business has actually just gone through the roof over the last year or so and that's been exciting so they're all interconnected mind body and business because without you and your energy yeah where does that lead you so your energy emanates and reflects out everything that you do so with your property development and your investment what is it you're focusing on at the moment so at the moment, I've just started a 22-unit uh, build 
up in uh, Litchfield, just north of Birmingham. So that's exciting. Construction started last week. I do a lot of uh, sites that I purchase without planning. And once we gain the planning, we'll typically get the planning uplift and sell it on uh, rather than taking construction risk. Uh, so that's exciting. And then the latter part of last year, we've been focused heavily on uh, distressed assets. So the, you know, the opportunities certainly today are similar and symptomatic of the post Lehman era some 10 years ago. And yeah, we're, you know, you could think of us as being in the business of wholesale property development. We're not having to build and we're able to pick up uh, good quality stock uh, to hold for the long term. And you mentioned we, who's we? That's a great question. When I say we, I like to think that as a small business that I'm able to create a power team. So I have a business mentor myself. I have a mindset coach. I have a body transformation coach. And more recently, a property mentor. So if I'm going to get out there as a total performance coach, I myself also have to ensure that I lead the way and, and emanate outwards that I myself am coachable. That's one thing. And then around that, I have, you know, property is a great example where you have a power team behind you, planning consultants, architects, site finders, and we're all heading towards a common purpose. And that, that's exciting. So explain what it was you were involved in before you embarked on te you've 10 years in, in business and mindset coaching and three and a half years in property development. What were you doing before then? Uh, so prior to that, I uh, spent uh, 25 years in, in the corporate world within the investment banking sector. Uh, in the early years, I started off in technology as a programmer. Uh, and then the latter six to eight years of that career, I ended up in project and program management, uh, managing programs uh, with over sort of 200 resources uh, globally, working for flagship brands like HSBC, Credit Suisse, uh, Yamura as well. And, you know, learned a hell of a lot, uh, that's for sure. How to sort of co collaborate with other people, how to facilitate getting projects over the winning line which eventually um, tran you know, transported and transpired into my property development projects as well. So 25 years, what was the, the pivotal decision for you to leave that? The pivotal decision for me, because in the early years when I, when I grew up, I sort of thought to myself, what did I want? I sought money. And eventually I realised that, you know, and let's not make make any bones about it in investment banking it's it's quite a lucrative environment well paid so i reached that tipping point of of money and i thought actually all that's done is, is it's fueled more costs more expense you know whether it's uh, a nice car or a nice house so i thought well actually it's not money that i seek and then i i i, I sort of uh, pivoted on that thought and eventually I thought, well, actually, it's happiness that I seek. And over the years, especially the last sort of uh, four or five years, I realized that two things happened when seeking happiness. One is when you reach that point of happiness, then your question is, oh, now I've got that big house. Now what? Where did we go from here? That's one thing that happened. 
And the second part is sometimes happiness is never found because you never reached that point of uh, finality. And so I realized that actually it's not happiness that I seek. And more recently, uh, as, 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 as the last 12 months, um, and again, I'm not a religious person in any shape or form, all I seek today is spiritual peace. And it's as simple as that. And how did you decide that it was spiritual peace that you wanted to pursue? A lot of the work that I do, especially in the corporate world, it was a stressful environment, you know, that can cause and lead to anxiety as well. In the early stage of any business, yeah, there's no simple route map to success and there's always going to be rocky roads and up and down. So when we talk about spiritual peace, is to be stress-free, zero anxiety, and underneath that is just to be present here and now and have fun and enjoy life and, and, and live for the moments because you can't live in the past. You can't dictate what happens in the future, but you can actually have fun today. And do you find that working in property provides that stress-free and zero anxiety life that you're pursuing? Yes and no. The, the no, as in, you know, let's talk about current climate and economic challenges covid and other things that have come through so a lot of risks have come through and therefore we have to know how to manage that risk you know lenders are now lending less or even in situations if we've built something to sell some flats or some units is taking a bit longer so that's one thing the second part is is yes it answers your question because what it's done is it's given me the financial platform to take that and create a stable platform for myself and take it into what I really love doing. And actually, I, I enjoy um, helping uh, other businesses, other individuals, and seeing them thrive because it's much easier to help provide solutions for somebody else than, I, than, I, than, than look uh, internally. And why property? Why not anything else in the entrepreneurial space? Um, that's a good question as well. In the past, when I've uh, had businesses like my first business under e-commerce and uh, distribution, um, it was a very labor-intensive business, uh, you know, staff-intensive. Uh, and, you know, my first uh, time when we had a huge wrath uh, uh, of staff being off ill, I ended up having to be the customer services agent, the sales agent, you know, the operations agent. And I found that hugely exhausting. Uh, and, you know, it's not something I was planning for. What I love about the world of real estate is every single subject matter expert, whether it's a planning consultant, an architect, a mortgage broker, a solicitor, an accountant, they are all arm's length and are contracted to you on a, on a time and expenses basis. And therefore, there's no element of having staffing pressures. And I, and I, I enjoy that. Even my uh, bookkeeper is somebody that's on a time and expenses basis. And why is that important in, in, in the business world? It's much easier if you're not getting the right level of service to know what kind of service you want and be able to move them on. 
and it's a much more flexible environment. That's one thing. And then the second part is uh, through my experience in investment banking as a project manager, delivering technology solutions. In that world, you need a designer, you need an architect, you need a cost controls person, also known as a PMO. You also need a programmer or a builder or de delivery person. All these elements were much easier to transpose into the world of property development because you have the same individuals required, an architect, a designer, a QS to manage your cost controls, a builder or contractor do, to do your delivery. And, you know, there's huge amounts of parallel between the two. In fact, I might even say that the world of project management in investment banking is a lot more complex with the with with resources globally uh, and more moving parts so what was the the sort of decision behind going into property how did you choose property over other things or how did you even discover property because it wasn't on your radar before it, I think when I, um, in the early years, way back, I'm now talking in the 80s and the 90s, we used to live in a uh, council flat in uh, in Wilsdon. Quite quite a tough neighbourhood, if I may say, and a tough environment for a young, young uh, lad growing up in that community. And that was my first experience. Um, and if people remember that far back, and that's how old I am, uh, Maggie Thatcher's uh, right to buy uh, scheme came through. And in, in, in those days, I mean, my father didn't really understand the process. My mother, uh, you know, she, she spoke broken English at best. And what I actually did was I did a lot of research around how to get, how to buy that property. And then when I saw uh, how the model worked, I kept on chipping away, you know, how do I get a, a, a mortgage broker? How do I speak to a solicitor? Made a lot of mistakes. And that, in, you know, that in, in 1990 was my first real experience of real estate. And we bought that. And then a few years later, we moved out of that apartment, uh, that, uh, yeah, that apartment and bought our house uh, up in Northwest London. And so that's where the early stages came through and then slowly started chipping away, added another property and then another few. And then uh, even as um, early as the sort of mid uh, 2000s to the late 2000s, um, it would, you know, I realized that you can't scale a property portfolio easily whilst you're working because you, you have a finite amount of income. And that's when I started working with private investors to be able to help drive that forward. And I thought that's, you know, I'd already got the bit. We already had a, a few properties in the portfolio. And in the last year or two, couple of years, it, it started to accelerate even faster. So there was no sort of intention. There was no plan. It was always a, a kind of just a process that you were going through. Was yeah, I, I guess I was very comfortable in my job in investment banking. So I always had that as what I would refer to as an insurance policy. Um, and the, the, the background, you know, using some of that income to buy, buy more properties. And it was a slow burner because I always had that safety net of my job and my income. And it's only when I remove that safety net, what it did is it gravitased me even harder to accelerate more uh, purchases to add them to my portfolio. 
So why is it important for you to do what you're doing now? Oh, so that's another great question. So for me, I've got two boys. Um, one's 20, one's 19. Um, the older one's at uh, Southampton University. The younger one's at Leeds University, uh, both uh, studying to be mechanical engineers. And I want to lead the way as the father uh, to show that I'm continually growing. I'm continually continually educating myself because I want to impart and pass that knowledge and experience, especially where there have been lessons to be learned down to the next generation and then to leave a legacy for them. The other side of it is also to leave a legacy and inspire others, whether it's business owners, directors, CEOs, uh, to do better out there in the real world and actually go and change people's lives. And that's, you know, that's hugely fulfilling for me. And what would you say your greatest lessons have been that you want to pass on? Uh, the greatest lessons for me is, um, number one, is you don't need to know it all. You know, you, know, you spend lots and lots of time going off trying to learn ab absolutely everything. That's, that's the key lesson for me. Number two is don't be afraid to bring in subject matter experts where you lack the knowledge and the experience. And, the, you know, and to, to, to dig deeper into that, focus on what you love doing, yeah? And then create a business that centers around that. So I love building relationships. I love working with people. I love working with investors, especially on the property uh, business. I love coaching individuals as well as businesses. And I center my business around that. So anywhere where I require expertise, I'm not afraid to insource that and bring, bring those parties in. And you talk about legacy. What is it that the legacy looks like for you? For me, the legacy, uh, especially with my own family, is that I leave them in a place where they have a financial platform to be able to take that and grow as individuals, yeah? grow to a level where they can be inspired to go off and pay it forward. They can be inspired to go and inspire other people in their lives. And that's, that's a huge uh, driver for me in a way. And if I can inspire them to go and inspire one other person, then my job is done. And for the people that you're coaching? And for the people that I'm coaching, for me, one of the parts you know, of, of my core values and my DNA is always to leave people in a better place than when they first started with me. And, and again, the, this ethos sort of emanates through all the sort of people that work with me is inspire them to do better and inspire them to go and pay it forward to inspire people around us. And you mentioned pay it forward. Who's, who's sort of paid it forward for you? My own uh, business mentor and mindset coach, Andrew Wilkin, has been phenomenal. Still here today. He's grown as an individual. Sometimes I've sort of uh, not listened uh, in the early years as I've been growing, but he's been you know, wonderful uh, and you know, continues to provide unbelievable support even today. And he's probably gone above and beyond 
uh, a business mentor and a mindset coach would go through. And that's actually emanated through to me as well. And, and that's been wonderful uh, for me. And, and the biggest pay it forward that the, the lesson that was taught to me in the early years when we started working together uh, was uh, underpinning your core values. I didn't realize how important that was in the early years, but I do now. And I only really work with people that resonate with that DNA. You talk about core values and, and the importance of them. How did you define yours? So the way I, again, I, I can use examples when I'm guiding uh, individuals as well, is don't be afraid to write down on a paper what your values are. Yeah. In the early years, I might have used things like wealth and happiness. Realize that your values actually evolve as you grow as a person. You add layer upon layer upon layer. Even today, I firmly believe that my values will evolve over time. Yeah? So the key part is don't be afraid to stick your values down on paper, even if you storyboard it. And then look to evolve them because you as a person will grow as well over time. And how much sort of creativity is involved in that? In terms of creativity, a lot of it is the stage one when I'm sort of working with clients on the mindset coaching is get them to think about what they stand for. Get them to think about what their current values are. Get them to think about where they want to be in their own lives and, and start writing that down on a piece of paper and then once they've done that give them some time to absorb that let the seeds go through and then i get them and coach them to actually in the in the early period when they start is to review those every quarter and as they become stronger and you add layer upon layer i myself review them every year now um you know i always say uh, those values are like an onion you're a whole and as the onion grows you add more and more layers so you'll always be a whole but you continue to grow as an individual so write them down write your values down and look to evolve them over time as your experiences grow and having peeled back quite a few of your own layers recently <laughs> And and also, I mean, shedding 50K, that, that's a phenomenal experience. I mean, it must have been hard, hard work. What would you sort of advocate to people who are thinking, I just can't do this? I really want to, but I just can't. It's a good question. So I would say, um, you know, I like to use the analogies of uh, cars. Yeah, it's a, uh, we, a lot of us drive. You know, which subject matter expert do we go to service our car? A mechanic. The real question then is: is why do we leverage a mechanic to service an MOT the car, given that that car depreciates in value? Do we not think that we need a, an expert or a human engine mechanic to to help us with an ecosystem and a human engine which is more complex than a car engine? And I'd like to think that we as humans are appreciating assets so the key there is is you don't have to know it all yourself you can find experts that help may a make you accountable and then b are able to strategize your journey and be able to put a system and a structure in place 
And that that has also emanated for me outward bound into all facets of my own uh, life and business as well. So moving from that sedentary lifestyle that you were in the, the sort of process of, of repeating your father's sort of lifestyle and, and getting to that point of seeing that it just wasn't working for you, that's a, a really big pain point. Yes, it certainly was a big pain point because I, I realised uh, you know, in, in that moment, the light bulb moment, I call it, that actually... If I go six foot under, what use am I to people around me, whether it's my families or clients that I coach? I'm absolutely no use to them if I disappear. And what I realize is that you have to put your own mental health and well-being right up there as a number one priority. Because if you're full of energy, yeah, it means that you can go off and work with other businesses work you know work you know, try, you know work with other clients and also it 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 attracts that kind of energy to your own life and that's also exciting so what's next on the horizon for you Dixash? um so next on the horizon is i'm going through a personal rebrand on my dixeshpatel.com uh, so working with a, a design agency on that so that's exciting and bringing in the, the the third facet of uh, uh, mental health, well-being, and body transformation, and adding that uh, to my business mentoring and mindset coaching, and over the course of the next couple of years, one of the things that I will continue to do is grow my por- property portfolio to create an even more stable financial platform, uh, such that I can actually focus on. On, on me growing as a total performance coach. So how would people get in contact with you if they wanted to sort of change their whole lifestyle and, and need that total body transformation? Uh, so you can connect with me on all social media platforms. Uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Dixesh Patel, uh, Instagram, at Dixesh, Twitter, at Dixesh. Uh, Facebook is Dixesh Patel as well. Couple with that, they can contact me on email as well uh, on my property email address, which is Dixesh, that's D I K S E S H, at lighthousecapitalgroup.co.uk. And, you know, connect with me on those platforms or email me, uh, and we can look to see what we can do to help pay it forward in in your lives. Fantastic. And I really want to say thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here and, and hearing your incredible transformation story. Have you got a final message for the audience for me, please? Yes. So I would say carpe diem, seize the moment and don't be afraid to have a go. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter 
via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.